Blog Talk Radio. Angela, how are you doing? As I said, 
football was not exciting tonight. It was a, like you said to me, it was a snooze fest. Yeah, well, yes, it was, but I am still doing well tonight, regardless of uh, lack of action in football. Yeah, what a very yeah, like you said, lack of action. That would be the best way to put it. Even even though Eric Eric Rowe did get an interception tonight, so I know that 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 hurt me a little bit. I was like, oh, still could have been an eagle, still could have been an eagle if it wasn't for Howie Roseman saying. Thanks, Howie. Even though he said that they made the decision that they were going to trade him after last season as a rookie, which is so dumbfounding by me, but. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about a team that isn't dumbfounding uh, right now, and that is the uh, Sixers, Angela. The Sixers, everybody's talking about the Sixers. Look on Facebook, everybody's excited. Every time the Sixers win, you know, Facebook is just lit up like a Christmas tree. We always know there's certain statuses coming, like as Adil always says, bring the confetti, you know. You always got to have the confetti Facebook status because it's just mm. so great. You, you play your 10 your ten nine eight seven ten nine eight seven Sixers song is just it's all well for the Sixers and I think I think we deserved it as Philadelphia sports fans. I think we deserved it. And it looks like the process has been the process was worth the wait. Just a damn shame Sam Hickey's still not in charge. Because if he was I don't know, maybe they'd be better than they are right now. Maybe. It was his That's project. Yeah, it, it was his project. It was his idea. And, you know, I, uh, I thank you, Sam Hinky. Definitely thank you. Because now we got something interesting to watch. That is true. Even though many times on this podcast, especially in the early years of the Hinky regime, we were, uh, I think we were the only people talking about the Sixers on a consistent basis in the early years of Sam Hinky. If I remember, we were the only one. Yeah, and I said that I wanted to trust the process, so I wasn't sure if I did. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. The MCW trade, the KJ McDaniels trade, we were just like, can we really trust what this man is doing? We don't even know what MB is going to play. We don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. But... Hinky had great hindsight, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he knew to take this guy. He knew it. And, hey, he's going to be back in the NBA someday. If this play keeps on playing out the way it's playing out, he's going to be back in the NBA. He's going to be back there. But what we, what we really got to dive into is how the Sixers are playing currently. We thank Hinky for place in the Sixers where they're at right now. But like I said, they're fifteen and twenty seven and they've all they've already surpassed last season's total. They've shattered that already in less time. And they're also only three games behind uh they're only they're only three wins away from eighteen wins, which I think they set like two years ago, three years ago, in the early part of Hinky's regime where they went like eighteen and sixty four. Or something like that. So the three wins away from that, and the last time I checked, like I said, there's five and a half games out of the eighth, out the eighth seed. What is going on here with the Sixers? How are they winning? Why are they winning? That's my question to you. How are they getting it done? 
They're they are seven and three in their last ten. They turned the corner when the calendar switched to twenty seventeen. It's just a weird year. Well, because they're developing and they're learning how to play together, so I don't necessarily see it as something to be surprised by. I'm actually you know, I I had hoped for this, I expected this and I'm glad to see this. I think I think, like you said, we're not surprised by it as Sixers fans, we're not surprised by it. But the general NBA fan is surprised by this. They're trying to figure out, well, how do they have fifteen wins? How are they doing this? They don't they don't screen talent. They don't screen talented teams. But they're getting the job done. And I think one of the reasons why they're getting the job done, and we've talked about this man already just to begin this show, is Embiid. Embiid has been the franchise player. And this is without Ben Simmons playing a minute of NBA action in the regular season. He's turned out to be everything we wanted and more in a franchise player. We all thought that Ben Simmons might be the franchise player he still might be, but Embiid, he's kind of a. He he's working his way up the ranks as being a, one of the next great franchise players in Sixers history, which we've been waiting for for a long time since Allen Iverson. Embiid has like really come into his own. I love watching him play, and it's mm-hmm. not even like weak on the court, but I love watching uh, him on the bench when he. Like when they don't want to put him in, and he gets angry about it. Like I like that fire with him. So I think he's like my favorite uh, drastic of the process, especially wow. considering. Well, especially considering that he does what he does. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like you said, you do like to see a player that gets so upset and they just like they want to be out there on the court and they want to win. And I think his urgency of wanting to win now in that fire that that we can win a game, we can get the job, we can win, and he and he shows that, I think that's rubbing off on a lot of people. And it's rubbing off on his teammates. And like you said, the things that he's done, I mean, I'm in amazement at the things he can do. I mean, to see a big man like him just pull up from three, from the, from three without no problem and no instilled defenses, Somehow, some way, don't even think about, oh, and be in transition. Maybe I should put a man in front of him or put my hand up in front of him. They don't do that, and he just hits the three-pointer like it's nothing with a soft touch. He's got that hell of an outside shot, and the Sixers have been wanting that for years. That's Kyle Korver. Hmm? What did you say? I said since Kyle Korver. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Before they let him go. <laughs> and now he's with the Cavaliers. Funny how that works, right? He's with your he's with your vaunted nemesis, LeBron James. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but we'll save but we'll save LeBron for uh we'll save LeBron for uh, the playoff time, because that's always a good conversation. LeBron in the final is always a great conversation here on the podcast. But you mentioned it, and B has a great outside shot, and it's something that this is lacking. They've been lacking shooting in general 
for the last few seasons. And Embiid is bringing that dimension. I mean, he's shooting 34.8% from three-point range. That's ridiculous for a big man to be shooting that, to be shooting that type of percentage from three-point range. And then on top of that, his field goal percentage is 46.2% from from the field, and he's averaging 19.8 points per game. He's he's just he's just doing it all, and he and I think I I think I sent you the video last weekend of the of him of Kareem Olajuwon of Hakeem Olajuwon, excuse me, I said Kareem, Jesus Christ, Hakeem Olajuwon talking about Embiid, and you know you can see how they they their skills they almost mirror each other, and it's so scary how similar they play. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear oh, me? Sorry, my my phone like crapped out right for a little bit. Um, oh jeez. <laughs> I was talking. <laughs> wasted, wasted. Um. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I hate these kind of comparisons though because they put like really unnecessary pressure on mm-hmm. a younger player. While I see the comparisons, and I know that Joel Embiid like sees the comparisons and he you know pushes them. I don't really enjoy them being prevalent because, like I said, like it takes away from. The younger player, and if the younger player doesn't live up to it, then it creates disappointment. I would just rather let Joel Embiid be, you know, Joel Embiid. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. It's almost like the thing with Okafor last year, how he was able to dominate in the low post, and a lot of people were comparing his low post game to Tim Duncan. And it's like you said, you got to kind of let the younger player be his own player, be his own model of what he's supposed to be. Like you said, comparisons are fun in the grand scheme of things because everybody likes to compare. You do it in sports, politics, whatever. Hey, people love to compare. But like you said, players, you got to let players be their own be their own people and their own players because, yeah, their style might mimic each other. It's a whole different generation. And it's a whole new style. Because I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I've never seen Kareem Halad. I keep on saying Kareem. Oh, my God. But Kim Olajuwon, I've never seen him do a Euro step the way Embiid has done Euro steps from the from the free throw line. I just haven't. It's just ridiculous. He's amazing. Embiid's amazing. Well, yeah, Joel Embiid's his own player, and he is his own breed of basketball. And that's why the Sixers and that's why the Sixers love it. They love it, and he's the main reason why they got 15 wins. For the most part, and another reason why they're playing well, Angela, you will agree with me on this because this deals with the big man pairing of him and Noel is defense. The Sixers have played much better in the last ten games, indeed, on, on on the defensive side of the ball. They're giving up on average in the last ten games ninety nine points per game, which is five points less than their season total of one hundred and four point seven. Defense has been a key for them because they've won a lot of close games over this 10-game stretch. And you got to give it to Brett Brown. you got to give it to Embiid, Noel, Sarich, Gerald Henderson, even Robert Covington, who gets beat up a lot in this town for his offense. But you can't take away from his defense because Covington does lock down on defense for the, for, for the most part. 
Well, I think that it's uh, good to know that, you know, there is kind of like a, you know, fan-type, player-type thing that needs to happen. And, you know, uh, I don't know. The way the Sixers are playing right now, they're they're doing really well, and it's going to continue to go that way. And I think they make the playoffs this year. I said it like two years ago. I think they make the playoffs in 2017. I'm going to stick to it. Uh oh. I think we gotta check the tape. <laughs> we gotta check the tape. Yep. I think they just kinda of squeak in, but I think they get it. Hey, I agree with you. I think I think they have I think they have a good enough chance to make playoffs myself. Um somebody called me about this, um and asked me like, Do you think six make playoffs? I'm like, Yeah, they make the playoffs. Because I think the A C in the East is not is not as competitive as it is in the West, and I feel like they're going, like you said, they're going to just, I think they're going to back their way in in the playoffs more so. They're going to play well, but it's going to get tough down the stretch, and those teams are going to fall tear themselves up, and they'll back their way in the playoffs. So wouldn't that be so nice? We'll have um, we'll have Sixers, Cavaliers, Embiid, Simmons versus LeBron, Kyrie, and Love. I'm pretty sure Angela is going to try to go to one of those games if she can. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's going to try to fit that in her schedule. <laughs> Did the Sixers take on the Cavs and playoff action? I would pay to see that Embiid slash LeBron matchup. <laughs> I know you would, and you would love to see him block. Mm-hmm. You would love to see Embiid just block LeBron at the run as he tries to go for a dunk and just erase him. Like he has no business being at the room. Indeed. So, hey, I mean, I think they can make the playoffs, too. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of conversations on this, saying, well, do we want them to make the playoffs, or do we want them to play well this year, get the 30 wins, and, you know, still get that lottery pick, and, you know, and then, 20, then next season, that's when we really go for the playoffs. My thought on that is, no, you don't wait until next year to say, oh, let's go for the playoffs next year. If you can strike while the iron is hot and get that experience now, why not take it? Get that experience now, harbor it, and then take it to the next season and say, okay, we might have get, we might, most likely we get bounced in the first round. That's okay. That's a learning experience. That's playoff experience that cake in the next season. I know Angelo brings this up a lot on this podcast. There's another team in the town that did that. The Phillies. They got in the playoffs for the first time, was it 2007? 2007. Uh-huh. They get bounced early by, wasn't it the Rockies, I think? Colorado the Rockies. Rockies, right? Yep. Yeah. They get bounced early by the Rockies, and then what happened? Rockies swap. Like, you know how the story. You, but what happened the year after that? You know what happened. The story tells. Uh, well, I was uh, well, I was at that game when uh, Brett Myers had his awesome at bat, and Shane Vitorino hit that grand slam, and <laughs> you know it was they took out the Brewers, and then they took out the Dodgers, and then that was it. And then the railroad, they took and, yeah. Yep, once they were over the Dodgers, they were the best team in baseball right then and there and mm-hmm. took out the race. 
Yep. Uh, memory. And, and got to and got and got Philadelphia's his first championship in many years. So that's mm-hmm. the prime prime example of what we've been talking about on this podcast for years. And we always bring up the Phillies when we talk about playoff experience and how that helps. It's the same thing for the Sixers. No. If they give they get the playoff this year, fine. They lose, that's okay. Now twenty eighteen. Now twenty eighteen, are they gonna make that big meteoric jump to be final contenders? Heck no. Because baseball basketball is unlike not like baseball. It's not it's not that simple. But could the Sixers use that experience to harbor it next year and say, Okay, we get bounced in the first round. All right. Now let's see if we can possibly make it to the second round in twenty eighteen. And then in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, you say we're gonna make the upgrade to now compete for NBA finals. Because let's keep it real folks. The Cavaliers and <laughs> the Cavaliers they only have so many years left in the tank. LeBron only has so many years left in the tank. Kevin Love, he he has he has more years than LeBron, and that free is going to be eventually become Kyrie Irving's team. But let's keep it, let's keep it real. LeBron only has about what two good years left, maybe maybe two good years left in his prime. But then he's eventually going to take a nosedive. It happens. All great players they take a nosedive. So that means the East is going to be wide open in 2019-2020 when you have a more much more experience. Joel and B, hopefully Maryland's Noel is still around. Ben Simmons will be much more experienced. This team has the foundations of possibly being how can I say this? Has the possibilities of being the OKC Thunder of twenty twelve. Oh sorry, what was that you said? I said this team has the the this team has the Possibilities if they keep on building around it and using their playoff experience to be the 2012 OKC Thunder when Thunder had uh, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, uh, I want to say Ibaka. I think Jeff Green was on that team. Uh, a bunch of young guys that their franchise to a meteoric jump into a finals appearance. Well, they definitely have that kind of potential because they've got like, a lot of great talent on that team and they got a coach where they all want to do it for. So, I mean, I'm not counting the Sixers out, and I don't think anybody should count the Sixers out. No, they really shouldn't. They shouldn't count them out yet, and they're just getting and they're just getting started uh, for the Sixers. And since we, you know, mentioning indeed, um, let's talk about should he be an All Star? Should he be an All Star? Because a lot of people are making the, the discussion of saying. I don't know if Embiid should be an all-star because he doesn't play. He's he's a I think who said it on Twitter. I think Chris Broussard. He's like a he's a part-time player, so he shouldn't make the all-star team. Or you got the 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 vet, the, the retired NBA players who are analysts saying that look that Embiid has to kind of wait his turn since he's a rookie. He's got to you know earn it to be a to to be a, a NBA to be on an NBA all-star team. But when you look at the numbers. 19.8 points, 19.8 points per game, um, 7.8 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, shooting 46% from the field and 34.8% for three-point range. And then in per 36, 28.3 points, 11.2 rebounds, 3.5 blocks. When I hear those numbers, Angela, I think they're all-star worthy. But I could be wrong. Maybe we're all wrong that Embiid should, shouldn't be an all-star. Porzingis gets into the all-star game, then I think Embiid has just – much more of a case or even better to be in that all-star game as a reserve. 
Well, yeah, and beat absolutely has a, an opportunity to get into the All-Star game. I mean, just look at him play. It's not even... It's not even a question. Like, look at him play. Like, look at him block. Like, look at him glide down the court. It's... If he doesn't get in, there's something wrong with the selection committee. <laughs> and you might cause some Sixers bias if he doesn't get in. That's the only, that's the only way I would point to it. Like, uh, yeah, he plays on the lowly Sixers. He shouldn't make the uh, he plays he plays for the lowly Sixers. He shouldn't be on the uh, he shouldn't be uh, on the All Star team. But like you said, the numbers the way he played, he he he, he deserves it. And I don't agree that oh because he plays part time, he should he shouldn't get in. That's that's that that's a bunch of uh, malarkey. I'll say that nicely. That's the word I wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep, I got. Well, I I figured out what you wanted to use. We can't say it on air now. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> we can't. We can't say that. Uh, we can't say that uh, on air. But it's the truth. I mean, the only reason why Embiid is a part-time player per se, if you want to go with Chris Broussard as a part-time player, is because he's not playing back-to-back. Okay, he's not playing back to backs, but in the games that he's playing, he's been effective. In the games that he's playing, he's putting up monster numbers. For a guy to be averaging 19 points in 20 plus minutes per game, that's ridiculous. That is amazing to be doing that, and I think that should, I think, like we all think, it should be rewarded. It, 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 she should be rewarded. I think it's, I mean, Front court, I know it was Jimmy Butler that got in, LeBron and Giannis. I can see how uh, Giannis got in and LeBron, obviously, fan vote. But Jimmy Butler, maybe, maybe. I don't have no problem with that. But I will say, like I said again, if Paul Millsap, Kevin Love, or Porzingis gets in, then Embiid should get in, especially over the likes of Kevin Love, who I think have not done enough this season to warrant an all-star appearance. I completely agree with you. That's pretty good. We're we're doing good. There's a lot of a there's a lot of agreeing. There's a lot of agreeing uh, going on right now, which is a good thing. <laughs> we're playing. We're doing well here. Doing well here on the uh, on the podcast. So we talked about indeed. We talked about why the Sixers are playing well. And but there's another rookie who's having a solid season is Dario Saric. You know, let's keep it real. If it wasn't for Embiid in yeah. his rookie year, you might have you might you might have said you know if Embiid wasn't a rookie this year that Dario Saric has been the best the second best rookie in the uh, NBA. <laughs> He's played better than Buddy Heal. He's played better than Brandon Ingram. Played better than Jamal Murray. Marquis Chris. I just need uh, I just need him to tell you like. Well, I need to pay more attention on any support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think he can become a much better – I think he, I think he can become a much better rebounder. And, I, and that's not to say he's not a good uh, rebounder now, but I think he can become much better uh, – a much better rebounder <laughs> per se. 
um, right now he is averaging 9.4 points per game and 5.9 rebounds per game. And like you said, you want to see him rebound numbers just go up just a little bit more, tad bit a little bit more. He's uh, averaging 7.0 defensive rebounds. Uh, no, not 7.0. Excuse me. He's uh, averaging averaging 4.6 defensive rebounds and 1.2 offensive rebounds. Are you okay over there? You're scaring me a little bit. Uh, I am. I did not think you were able to hear that because I telling me off to you. So I know. I, 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 <clears throat> I caught a little bit of dust in my throat. Oh, geez. I'm sorry about that. God. It's all no, good. No, good now. <laughs> you're talking about, you're yeah. talking about, uh, yeah, Dario and, like you said, yeah, you want to Dario. see numbers mm-hmm. just go up just a little bit more. 5.9 is good, but if you can get me 10 points and 7 rebounds, then we got some. Then you're doing a little something, something. No, he's been doing great, and I'm really, like, excited for him. There are times where, like, he's a little bit, like, bumbly, stumbly. Would be, like, a good way to put it. Right. But he really, like, makes like me excited. Like, he's still trying to get his under him. Yeah. But there's a lot of positives to be looked at with Dario, and I'm very, very happy with Dario. Oh, yeah, I think we're all happy with him. I mean, you look at the games where the Sixers had back-to-back wins against Milwaukee and Toronto. He had nine, he had nine rebounds in both of those games. In the, oh, yeah, that Toronto game. game. Yeah, he was huge. He was huge in that game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, yes, and it was. wasn't numbers that you could, and it was numbers that you couldn't see in the stat sheet so well. But his defense, I love that he plays like a veteran as a rookie, but he's technically not a rookie. It's like Embiid; they're both technically not rookies. They're rookies by name, but <laughs> they play like yeah, right. They've been in, they just yeah. have a good well, they have a good court awareness. Yeah, well, like Sark has been overseas playing, so he's not like really a rookie and. Embiid has been practicing here for years, so mm-hmm. while he hasn't gotten like game action, he's still gotten like the training that the NBA stars are used to. So, is he really a rookie? Yeah, kind of, maybe, sorta. I don't know for real. Maybe not. I don't know. But like you said, like you said, Embiid's been practicing for the past couple of years. Saric, he's been playing overseas in Turkey with. Grown men, let's just say, playing with other grown men. So he had to learn on the fly and, you know, put in work. And he put in work, especially this past summer, to help Croatia make the uh, Olympics, which is which is a big feat until it's up yeah. to get Croatia in the, uh, in the Olympics. And, I mean, that Olympic qualifying tournament championship game against Italy was amazing. Saric played amazing in that game. And you're seeing that now. He brings... He brings a great he bring he's bringing a great international he's taking his international experience and bringing it to the NBA and you can see that just by how the way he plays he doesn't take a playoff and I think that's why fans love him because he doesn't give up on no play he's going to play tough he's going to play defense you know I want to say he had a what was it, what game was that it might have been a Toronto game where he had like a huge block or something like that I want to say it was that game. But he had a huge yeah. block in it. Yeah, it was a Toronto like game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there was a huge block in the Toronto game. Noel was the one that did the last second one, but 
Yes, I did see the Noel one. Yeah, I saw that one. I saw the Sarge one, and they've been playing. They've both been playing well. Nerland, you know, for as much crap as I gave him early in the season for, you know, complaining and, you know, whining, you know, he's played well too. He's played excellent. He's played excellent defense, and he's starting to show a little jump shot. The jump shot yep. there. He's starting to develop that too. So I'm proud of mm-hmm. him. I'm proud of him. No disrespect to Ja. I still love Ja. I still do. I love him. He just doesn't, and we all, and I think we all come to grips with this. He's just not a fit here. Just not. No. He's not. He's a good player. He's a good. He's a good baller. He's got a good jump shot. He just, like you said, he's not a good fit here, and that's that's really where it ends. Right. Well, and I and I and I wrote this on Total Sports Live, but it was not published. Yet. I've been being like the being OCD with this story, but I said that in the story I wrote that I'm writing. I wrote that you know. And Okafor just doesn't fit here because he he needs to play in the low post and doesn't help when you have a big man in Embiid who also has desires, who also has a desire to play in the low post. That just doesn't work. And Okafor doesn't bring a defense uh-huh. that Noel brings. And that doesn't – it just doesn't mix. But like I said, that, like I said in the story, it doesn't mean that Okafor is a bad player. It just means he's not the perfect fit at the right time. But if he goes to another team – where they don't have two set quality big men, he'll be fine. He'll be totally fine. He's going to go somewhere right, and put up the numbers he did mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, he can totally get someplace else and, and do well. It's just that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Sometimes you, the puzzle does the puzzle piece doesn't fit exactly where it needs to fit. And sometimes a player just doesn't fit what the team needs at that moment, which is fine. The Sixers have a long jam at big man after this. You are going to probably eliminate Okafor by the trade deadline or even over summer. It's going to happen. He's been DMP'd a lot. But I do give him credit for staying mentally engaged with the game and, you know, an opportunity he has played. He has given a little bit something on the offensive end and, you know, He's still, like I said, defense is a work in progress. He has to get better at that. He has to get better with defense. But, again, he's so young. But he'll get there. He'll get there. But him, the Sixers eventually, when the Sixers eventually move him, that will help clear up the log jam because you'll have Embiid, Noel, Rashawn Holmes. We can't forget about Rashawn. Rashawn has been like the missing man in this <laughs> in this whole Sixers conundrum. He's been down in the D-League just to get some minutes. They don't have no room for him. So what you got to do, send him to Delaware. And he looked good in Delaware. And then we can't forget about Ersan Ilyasova, who's um, – he's played good too. He's played good. Yeah, Angela, yeah. I think uh, Colangelo, I think that was a good trade, to trade Jeremy Grant, even though we love what Grant brings on the offensive – not on the offensive, excuse me, the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Ilyasova's played really well too. As somebody yeah, said on, yeah. on Twitter – as someone said on Twitter, uh, Ilyasova <laughs> likes every shot that he takes. <laughs> he has a green light all the time. Uh, of course he likes every shot that he takes. He's not, like, he, he doesn't pop a lot of nonsensical shots like he, you know. A lot, of his, a lot of his shots are in rhythm. That's the thing. A lot of his shots are in rhythm. 
which is good to mm-hmm. see. Right this season, he's averaging right now with the Sixers, he's averaging a career-high 15.5 points per game and shooting 38.9% from three-point range. Wow. He's been a great pickup. He's been an excellent pickup. Maybe yes, he'll be a free yeah. agent. I think you got to bring him back. Of course you do. Yes, sir. Got to bring him back. Got to bring him back. I mean, every night. I mean, just look at the back-to-back nights. Like, <laughs> back-to-back nights against Atlanta in a loss. He had 21. Against Portland, 24. 24 mm-hmm. points against Portland. And that was a close game, as you remember, with no Joel Embiid, who got yeah. injured. He was 9 of 14 and 5 of 6 from three point range. Talk about lighting it up. I mean, he had yeah, so you bring him back. point range. Yeah, you got to bring him back. I mean, even when he's not shooting the three ball well, he can give you a double double. I mean, 16 and 12, 23 and 13. I didn't know Irsan was this good now. I didn't know he was a, he was this good. I, I mean, he's, he's definitely been a, He's definitely been a, a bright spot when it comes to, you know, big men, you know, that, that aren't named Noel and Indeed. It's Sarich. He's been the bright spot from a trade, nonetheless. Yeah, I hear you. So, Irsan is playing well. Sarich is playing well. Noel's playing well. B's playing well. Everything's going all right for the Sixers. But... There's a story that came out last week, this past week. Uh, it's a story written by ESPN.com's um, Zach Lowe, and he wrote about the Pelicans and how the Pelicans are trying to figure out their identity and, you know, time is running out and them to figure it out. And they mentioned point guard Drew Holiday, and Lowe mentions in his piece, you got to read this a great piece, he mentions later in his piece that the Sixers will take a hard look at Drew Holiday. What are your thoughts on that, Angela? That the Sixers will take a hard look at Drew Holiday. Wouldn't that just bring the process just full circle? Does it um, just bring know. it all full circle? I don't know. Is it taking a few steps backwards? Sounds like Drew's not a great point guard. He is, but would re-signing him really like just, just be going backwards? That's what I worry about, and that's really where it ends. Some some people have said the same thing, too, especially with his injuries. He stayed healthy this season, which is a good thing. He stayed healthy he stayed healthy this season. Well, he is, his wife had some health problems, right? So like, he took some time off. Yeah, yep, yeah. I think she had, like, a tumor or something like that, brain tumor mm. or something like that. Oh, so he missed part of the season. Of that. So, I mean, like, no offense to him or his family, but how do we know that his wife's health problems aren't going to come back and then, you know, he's going to play for, like, two months and then leave? Right. I don't yeah, fault, that's I don't fault him for, yeah, I don't fault him for putting her health first, but if you're going to sign him, like, he's at that risk. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and, you know, a lot of people said how much it's going to cost you, and that's another thing. How much does it really cost you? Because you got to think about mm-hmm. it. Um, they are, Sixers already have a point guard in T.J. McConnell. They mm-hmm. have a guy in Ben Simmons who can who's your who knows who he is, point guard, point forward. And they also got a guy named Jared Bayless who hasn't played, who's played sparingly this season, but 
had his season ended with a wrist injury, who they signed on a three-year, $27 million deal. So I don't know if there's necessarily room for Holiday on this roster. It's, it's cool to think about that they'll take a look at him. That means they're, you know, they, that means they're taking free agency seriously, uh, possibly seriously, but I don't know if there's going to be necessary, especially when you got Jared Bayless, who can kind of do almost the same thing as Holiday in a way. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back, but at the same time, I would like to uh, evaluate any options and stuff. And it just—it might be more of a higher of a risk than you want to take. Mm-hmm. While the sentimentality is there. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and luckily for the Sixers, they'll be able to figure they'll they'll have the rest of the season to figure out point guard, and then at the draft, maybe they can land uh, a Markel Fultz or a Lonzo Ball. Maybe they land one of those in the draft. That would be nice, because then that solves the point guard position right there. Two guys, they land one of those two. Then you don't have to worry about point guard and free agency. You can attack another area of need that they might want to do. Even if they don't have their own pick, they can get the Lakers pick and the Kings pick. So, hey, it's all good. <laughs> it's literally all good for the Sixers. They can still make the playoffs and get lottery picks. That's the, that's the exactly. best part about this season. They can still make the playoffs. And I don't even think that, like, I don't think they need to make the playoffs and, like, even advance in the playoffs. I think if they just make the playoffs, no. they'll, you know, attract enough attention to where, like, okay, they're not the joke for the NBA anymore. Nope. Exactly. Like you said, they don't need to advance. If they just play, and I know they're going to play, if they just play hard-fought games in the, in the round one and give it their all and play hard, I think we'll accept that. We'll accept that without no question. We'll take it. If we can uh-huh. still one game, we'll definitely take that. If we can still gain one in Cleveland, we'll take that. Yeah, take it. Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. Embiid Simmons take game one in the queue over LeBron. Yeah, well, ask Allen Iverson what happened the last time he took game one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It got dark really fast. <laughs> it got dark really fast for that team. Mm-hmm. That kind of, he kind of woke up the Lakers after that. They were like, oh, oh we're going to roll over the Sixers. Hold up. This AI guy just dropped 40 something points on us. Um, okay, now we got to start playing. But hey, if they make the playoffs, I think we'll all be excited and I think we'll all. Oh, yeah, I think, I think we'll all enjoy it. I think we'll yep. all enjoy the run, and, and, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to have playoff basketball back in the city. It's been a, it's been a long time for that. So I think that's where we're going to end off the podcast tonight. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thanks again for everybody that will be tuning in and checking out this podcast. We really thank, we really thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place here on uh on Blog Talk Radio, but like I said to start the show, you can check it out on blogtalkradio.com, dot com, the TuneIn Radio app, iTunes, um, 
Yeah, you can check it out at those things, at uh, those places. Uh, make sure you check out Adios Podcast, The Realist, on SoundCloud and on iTunes. It's a very good listen. I got to tell you, Adio does some really great podcasts, really good podcasts. Check it out. It's really good, really good commentary uh, from him on that. And, um, yeah, check out TotalSportsLive.com. Like the Facebook page. Check out, uh, follow Live on Twitter, at TotalSportsLive. Hopefully, not hopefully, there will be a lot of content on the site this week. Had to recharge the batteries, but we should be good to go. Running full steam uh, for the rest of this month, so check out TotalSportsLive.com. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a piece from Kevin wrapping up the snoozer of of, of Championship Sunday, <laughs> which was a snoozer. <laughs> wasn't that good. That's why we never talked about it. It was piss poor horrible. But hopefully we'll hopefully we'll have that from Kevin. He'll also give an update on his NFL MVP playoffs team. The rankings have now shifted now after two teams were eliminated, so we'll find out who's now number one in his NFL playoff uh, MVP ranking. And also, you can follow Angela on Twitter at Ange Monton. You can follow me on Twitter at Johan And I think that's about it. I think we plugged everything uh, that we need to plug uh, today here on the podcast. I think we're good to go. Uh, if anybody's out there listening, can we get like a Blue Apron sponsor too? That'd be kind of cool too. I would like to open the podcast and get people to buy a Blue Apron and they can put a meal together. I think that'd be cool to say too. Just put it out there. Maybe someone from Blue Apron's listening. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored you by Blue Apron. But that's going to wrap it up. Everyone have a good one. And uh, don't forget, like like I got Angela to do on Friday night, raise the cat. Every time the Sixers win, raise the cat. Even if your cat yeah, doesn't like it. Yeah, raise the cat. <laughs> Even if Smokey doesn't like it. <laughs> Smokey was none too amused. <laughs> Smokey was none too amused. But also, don't forget to raise, don't forget to also get the raise the cat T-shirt, which proceeds go to an, go to animal shelters. Really cool shirt. Make sure y'all make sure y'all get that. Get it. It's a really cool, really cool shirt. But raise the cat. Sixers are back in action on Tuesday. Hopefully they get this victory. If they get a victory, it'll be sixteen and twenty seven and inching closer to uh five hundred, which is will be which will be great to see if they can do it. But for me and Angela, everyone have a great one and we'll talk to you guys sooner than later. Have a good one. All right. Bye everyone.